0: listening to the Live Your Own Fit podcast, where your life performance questions will be answered, health topics dissected, and energy-boosting tips discovered with me, your host for today, Pete Jacobs. I'm Manuel Champion and health coach, and I love chatting about how the body works and how the mind works. So let's get started with today's episode. And today's episode is a follow-up to the previous episode in some ways. Previous episode was sort of weight loss and energy and a lot of that was around cell health mitochondrial health how do we burn more energy how do we get more energy to burn more calories and today we're following that up with a bit deeper dive into metabolism and i did touch on metabolism at the end of the last episode but there's many more nuances to metabolism that i enjoy talking about and these are still just you know my my own thoughts my own theories but Let's see how they stack up. And so I'd love feedback on any of this with further questions on how you feel any of this is practical for you. All right. So metabolic rate is an interesting term. A lot of people will say, let's speed up your metabolism. And that's sort of like, okay, we need to get you to eat more and that will speed up your metabolism and therefore you will then lose weight. Well, in a small, small, small subsection of people, that may be something that works. But let's just ignore that and talk about why it should not be focused on. And there's many, many nuances, Um, partly because it's very misunderstood the way that people use the word metabolic rate. Um, So let's say if you were to say, I'm going to, my goal is to speed up my Metabolism and my metabolic rate. Well, it doesn't really work in a sense in terms of saying I'm going to speed it up because there's two parts to the metabolic rate, to metabolism. Um, you've got the catabolic side of things, which is breaking down the energy and using it for any, uh, breaking down the calories, sorry, and using it for energy production. And that would be, yes, if you speed that up, that's great. But speeding it up is not as simple as just putting more calories in and therefore your body will push more calories out. As we talked about in the last episode, there's many, many um, other problems that can go wrong in your body that are preventing you from producing a lot of energy from a lot of calories. And the flip side of that is that if you're really efficient then you aren't actually going to be using as many calories as somebody else who's inefficient. So an inefficient person may be healthy or unhealthy and an inefficient person may or an efficient person may also be healthy and unhealthy. It all depends on your terms of efficiency and what you're looking at. So let's just look at a couple of examples to try and clear up what I'm trying to talk about. Um so The context of how metabolic rate is used by most people is how many calories are used in a day. And that's its simplified form. And yet it's a much, much more complex thing than that. But if we just take that simplified form of people just trying to use more calories in a day just to do average things in an average day, let's just look at how that may or may not work. So if we look at a low metabolic rate, talked about as being a bad thing in kind of the weight loss circles, well, you don't want a low metabolic rate. You want a high, fast metabolic rate. Um, Let's see, but let's look at a good scenario of having a low metabolic rate. That would be... In a human whose cells have everything they need and nothing that they don't. So they're incredibly healthy. They have all the vitamins, minerals, chemicals, everything. Like they have what they need and not what they don't want. And there's no extra toxins upsetting things. For example, they are balanced and abundant in the body, all these nutrients and vitamins. And there is no inflammation or oxidized fats present. And the mitochondria are happy using fat as fuel. That's the key. If the mitochondria are happy using fat as fuel, then everything is going to work out well. It creates, this all creates an environment for efficient energy production. In an efficient energy production, less calories are used for an equal, to the next scenario we're going to talk about, equal amount of ATP energy production. So basically, using fat, for fuel, you're using a few pathways there, many, many pathways. And you're using more vitamins, more minerals, more reactions. There's there's more pathways. So there's more requirements for more of these other cofactors because it's not just the straight down the line. You're using glucose, and glucose goes to this, and then it goes to that, and you get ATP. Using fat for fuel is more complex and there's more pathways for energy production. So as you, as you burn fat, for example, we've all probably by now heard of ketones. And we're all aware that ketones are a byproduct of using a lot of your fat for fuel. Then the ketones themselves get used for fuel. So from fat, you're getting the calories from fat and you're getting more energy per calorie from just the fat itself. You're then getting many more calories from the... Uh, sorry, you're getting more energy... ATP and energy from those other byproducts as well. So you're very very efficient. And there's also other scenarios where if you are just using glucose there's a different amount of ATP and energy from each calorie of glucose. So let's say you've got fat burning on one side and glucose burning on the other in the other person. But in that other person there could be variances of how many how much energy they get are producing from one calorie as well. So trying to pinpoint what is happening in your metabolism is incredibly difficult. And even in a lab, it's not possible. So in a lab, they can say, oh, well, this is your metabolic rate by testing your breath. So they can test how many calories of fat and glucose were burnt through the day, but they can't test your energy output. They can assume how much ATP you burn but they can't test how much ATP and from which exact sources. So if you are a very efficient fat burner, your calories that you use because you can recycle these other uh, byproducts, you're going to use a lot more less calories sorry, than if you're an inefficient fat burner and you can be an inefficient fat burner. This scenario of an inefficient fat burner would be when you are just becoming fat adapted and your ketone levels will be really high. So high ketone levels basically mean your pathways for recycling that byproduct are not there yet. And these are just a couple of the pathways for producing energy. The body is so complex. We are never going to be able, or hopefully we can at some point, but in our current world, we cannot measure what is happening in the body in so many ways. And so it's all just a big assumption of what's happening. And yet there are so many nuances, especially when you start getting into fat burning and different stages of fat burning, as well as different times of burning glucose and different amounts of calories being used to produce X amount of ATP. So let's look at a bat. So that was, I started at the very start there with a good scenario of being low metabolic rate. Now, a bad scenario for having low metabolic rate, and these are all in quotation marks because, you know, what's good and bad and what's low and fast is all very, um, you know, objective. And so let's say that the low metabolic rate in a bad scenario is the presence of inhibited energy production issues. So we've got unhealthy cells, mitochondria, inflammation, nutrient deficiencies, the stuff we talked about in the last episode. So that will limit weight loss and your feeling of energy. And this is due to less fuel and calories burned due to limited ability to produce energy because of those issues that we've mentioned So in that instance, whether you ate a lot of calories or very few calories is very, very unlikely to do anything to your metabolic rate. But if you ate frequently, it's probably going to continue that cycle of hormones being in a permanent um, anabolic state, permanently building fat stores, permanently storing glycogen and permanently using glycogen and glucose for energy. And then the problem compounds from here. Less energy makes the human want to move less. So they'll find it harder to motivate. Then they'll have less energy. There's more compounding stress. So willpower and dietary choices all fail, increasing the further inflammation, increasing the further choice of the poorer food that's low nutrients and continuing this cycle. And the weight gain compounds and so on. All of this further decreases calorie use and ATP production on top of already in further inhibiting the ability to produce that energy. It's a horrible cycle once you're in it. And that is why it can be very difficult for people to break out of it. But we're going to get to why it is what some think that can really help people break out of it if they are in that cycle. And that is fasting. And we are going to get to that in a moment. But let's just look further at metabolic rate a little bit. So metabolic rate is measuring the calories used to produce an average daily amount of energy for an average, daily, an average human doing average things. And this is the problem with metabolic rate. It is only measuring the calories burned and not ATP produced. If we wanted to know how healthy someone is from their metabolic rate or gain an understanding of their metabolism, we would also need to test how much ATP they produce and from what fuel sources. And these are impossible to test for. It can be tested if someone is using glucose or fat for fuel, as in, you can test how much fat or how much glucose, how much of a combination of both are being used, but you can't test the other sources that I've talked about. And they can't test the exact efficiency of the ATP being produced from how many calories. So without knowing how, many, how much energy an ATP is produced, um, you know, it's like not knowing the other side of a equ- maths equation and trying to figure out, X when you have no concept of what X is going to be in the outcome. So let's put it in a terms of testing in an example. Testing metabolic rate could be like testing how much fuel a hybrid car burns versus a diesel car without any information about how much energy they produced, e.g. horsepower or kilometers traveled. And so it's useful to know how much fuel was burned without an output to create the other side of the equation. However, if we did measure the distance of the cars travelled and they travelled the same distance, we would see that the hybrid car burned less fuel and produced less emissions, less stress. Therefore, are we saying it has a low metabolic rate in human terms? This is a good thing, however, there's less stress being produced to cover the same amount of distance. And a healthy hybrid car in a healthy human that uses fat and other energy pathways is also more efficient, using less calories and producing the same output, the same distance travelled, and at the same time producing less stress in their system. Hopefully you can see how now how that changes um, or how chasing changes in metabolic rate is pretty pointless because it's not tangible. You can't measure what is happening. The measurement that you are looking for is your how you feel in your terms of your energy, and are you losing weight? And so that's not to say that an approach chasing, speeding up your metabolism isn't going to work whatever belief you have, if you get the result with that belief, then that's great. I mean, there is no certainty in anything. Only um, humans are capable of believing anything. And that doesn't change what is happening in your body. And that goes with saying that I could be totally wrong and misrepresenting metabolic rate. But let's just if it relates to you, if you think this is how I feel at different stages of your journey, and that's definitely how I felt, and how other people experience things like higher ketones being, making them inefficient. If you've got high blood ketones, you're more inefficient because you're wasting energy in your breath, the ketones that you breathe out. As you get more and more fat adapted, you then recycle the ketones. Those pathways are using ketones more efficiently. So therefore, your ketone levels will be lower. You're wasting less energy. You're more efficient. So there's one way how metabolic rate doesn't quite add up, particularly if you are trying to increase your fat burning ability. Think of an efficient fat burner who eats no carbohydrates. Yes, think of our caveman ancestors during most of their lifetimes, the seasonal changes, animals were always available and always an excellent source of calories and nutrients for them. They're very healthy, they're very strong, and yet they use a relative small amount of calories per day. Evolutionarily, like in evolution terms, like how would our body have evolved over millions of years to not be super-duper efficient at... Producing energy with the least amount of calories. We would be using everything we have at our disposal. The nutrients. So we'd be using fats, glycogen, proteins when we're really starving. We can use all the other vitamins and minerals as well to boost those other pathways. Hence why you feel tired if you're lacking magnesium. There are other factors that help us produce energy. Energy and feel alert to be able to survive and produce energy. The whole point is to survive and to produce energy. So, when a person is healthy and fat adapted, ATP is produced incredibly efficiently, and even the byproducts of production of ATP are recycled to also become a source of energy. Less calories are required for energy when you become a fully healthy, efficient, and fat burning human just like our ancestors. It's obvious evolution would not have created us or any other living thing to be pointlessly inefficient and wasteful of calories or energy. And for us to prefer, even for us to suggest that we would prefer using glucose in our day-to-day lives is crazy because glucose is never around. The carbohydrates were never around and abundant as they are these days. We wouldn't have been eating them three times a day or several times a day as some of us are. Just doesn't make any sense. Being fat burning and efficient makes sense. It doesn't mean you can't ever eat glucose and carbohydrates. It just means that if you're struggling with energy and weight loss, there's a few factors that could be inhibiting that and some of those factors may be driven by an overconsumption Of glucose at some point and blocking those pathways for fat burning is and fat burning is something at this point now for you you may really need to chase and so spending time in the Sun also makes you more efficient as I just mentioned we our body produces energy in many ways and the Sun provides us with many of those vitamins minerals and boosts those other pathways The way that our cholesterol works, the way that we carry energy within our system is helped by the information that we are getting from the sun. So of course, it's important to spend time in the sun, not just because of vitamin D levels, but many other reasons as well. It will help you produce energy more efficiently. And I remember... Listening to a side note here, I just remembered. I listen to Ben Greenfield podcasts as I do um, occasionally. And, and probably a year ago, he had someone on who said, oh, we've shown that if you go into a cave and you don't see the sun, you will burn more calories. And I messaged Ben the other week and putting all this together, I said, oh, maybe that's the reason. In the short term, in the short term you're going to burn more calories and you may see that as a... Benefit, but obviously, living in a cave is not a sustainable answer to burning more calories. But purely by not getting sunlight in the short term reduces your energy efficiency, reduces the ability to produce energy um, efficiently. So you burn more calories, but that would have been such a tiny amount in change. It's not really to consider, it's nothing you should consider because in the long haul, Being not getting sunlight will make you feel more lethargic and therefore you will move less, you will think less, you will do less. So even in the short term, in a very closed environment, maybe an extra calorie is used up because you're not seeing the sunlight. But in the big picture, in the real life, that would be a bad thing to not see the sun, not move more. (laughs) feel more, you know, your hormones will change, your circadian rhythm is not there. And we will get to circadian rhythm very shortly and its impacts on the hormones. Okay, so well, let's talk about circadian rhythm now. Hormones from your thyroid um, and other hormones in, within your body operate in this circadian rhythm of this 24-hour cycle of different times of night and different times of day. And if you don't have exposure to natural light and if you have too much exposure to unnatural light, your circadian rhythm is likely to be thrown out in a, in a big way. So simply not getting to bed on time, the next day, one night with a late night, the next day, you're more carbohydrate intolerant or insulin resistant. So basically the carbohydrates that you eat will create a greater effect in your blood sugars because you aren't absorbing them as quickly and there's been lots of studies on one night of poor sleep affecting everything obviously from insulin resistance and into performance, um, cognitive performance as well. So people shooting baskets, for example, was one test that they'd done. In basketball, and their performance was down. So, there's a lot of factors. And obviously, not clearing out the stress at night is another big factor of not getting good sleep. So, back to circadian rhythm and hormones. Really, really important if you do want to get into improving your metabolism, having more time, having a, a better effect of being catabolic and burning your own energy at night, particularly and also being anabolic. So when you do eat, the response is good, it's quick, it's sharp, and you will then build more cells using the nutrients that you've eaten. And then over in a fairly short amount of time, you know, not um, in insulin-resistant people, when you eat a meal, that insulin hangs around a long, long time. The blood sugars stay elevated a long time because you're resistant to the insulin taking the sugars out of the blood into the body that's insulin resistance. So having more insulin and high blood sugars for a longer period of time is insulin resistance, and that is not a good thing. So a healthy metabolism has a quick, good response to when you eat. It has a good response when you sleep and are fasting However, if you are finding that weight gain is an issue, if you feel your metabolism is not working with you and is working against you by storing everything and burning nothing of your stored calories, then improving your circadian rhythm is likely to be a big factor for you. So that means getting to bed without the blue light, waking up, seeing the sunlight during the first early hours of the morning. And Getting some sunlight throughout the middle of the day as well so that you are actually seeing that different UV spectrum, morning, midday, and evening. So that is one easy way of doing it, or a couple of really easy ways of doing it. But we're not going to go into too much detail about that now. Just be aware that it's a, it's a big factor for your hormones to have these changes, these responses, to have deep sleep, to clear out the stress so the next day Your body can start afresh and not carrying over all of this oxidative stress and inflammation from the day before. Deep sleep is why it gets rid of this stress from the day before. That is why it's so important. As well as regulating hormones to help clear the stress, it also regulates hormones that change throughout the day, such as cortisol. And cortisol is a really big one for changing what's happening in your metabolism as well. All comes back to having a really good circadian rhythm. We are into fasting. And if you have experienced some of those problems that I've talked about where everything is being stored, you've probably got issues with your thyroid, even whether you know it or not. You've probably got issues with cortisol and your adrenal glands and everything that is throwing out your metabolism of burning at one point and building. At the other point so fasting is going to be a good thing for you and this is where it does contradict and I'm happy to say it contradicts the the conversation that other weight loss people will have saying well if we increase metabolism by eating more then we're going to get the results we want and yet if your metabolism is already so screwed up and your hormones are at that point where you're not eating the less you eat, it's not changing anything that you're doing. Eating more is not going to boost your met- change your hormones by eating more. What we need to do is change the input between and make a clear de- definition between not eating and eating, between catabolic process and anabolic process. So we need to give your body a big break from that input of anabolism when you're building up after a meal. And the only way to do that is fasting. The only way to really push your body to readjust its hormones, to reset its hormones is to put in a fast as well as, I have to put in the caveat here, as well as supplement any deficiencies. And it's a tough caveat because we can't test. And I love the idea of in the future when we can just test how to get a quick, simple result from everything, every nutrient we have in our body. That is when health is really just going to go ahead in leaps and bounds. When a simple scratch of your skin can give you the quick results of every vitamin and mineral that you do or don't have, and how a quick adjustment. Maybe you, something that occurs in a week, then you can scrape your skin again. Bam, here's the result. Okay, we're on the right track. We need probably another week of this, or we might need a month, another month of this. To be able to adjust so quickly, your micronutrient ratios would just be the answer to so many health issues. So I would be suggesting that you look at some of these supplements that are going to really help you that you could be possibly deficient in that are big, big players in energy production and in balancing your thyroids. Um, So let's say for that, it is the trace elements, the trace minerals. And so look into what you could be doing to help improve that. Ones that come to mind are selenium and iodine. They go together. Then magnesium is a massive one, always really important. And then a few other trace elements, trace minerals perhaps could be in there as well. Um, iron deficiency can also inhibit some, uh, make some problems. Um, but then you could go into the vitamins and just taking a really, really good B multi complex is probably likely to help. So B1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Well, Matt, not all of them, but most of them could really help fill some gaps in um, what your body is doing and, and why. In the process of fasting, there's a lot of things that change. In the process of eating a healthier diet, there's a lot of things that change. One of those things is giving the gut microbiota different input so that it can change. It can absorb the right nutrients. It can put out and create some of the nutrients that you need, and it's going to work with you, and it's not going to produce hormones that are going to keep upsetting your hormonal system. So that will naturally change as you change to a healthier diet, which has no sugars in it. That will be the biggest step to helping your microbiota. The next step is going to be spend some time fasting. And this is a big one where your hormones are going to really get the message, oh my God, I'm not getting food every three hours. What do I do? What do I do? Because for the last decade, I've stayed in this high-stress state. I've been pumping out hormones to just work in this one way, this one way that I'm really comfortable with, where I take what you've eaten and I store it, and then we don't produce much energy because you, we don't need to. You're always, we're always just in this state where we'll store everything, um, and that's what's the way it is. So it's fasting and a really long break. So let's say you would start, I would say you would ease into this, ease into anything, ease into minimizing caffeine intake, ease into minimizing time watching TV, ease into minimizing fruit and sugars. Just try to do everything at your pace. Some people like cold turkey. Some people need cold turkey. There might be some people are moderators, so they can just like moderating it down a little bit at a time. And other people are abstainers and get pleasure from abstaining. And that's like, it's such a clear cut thing in their mind. Like for me, I love it when it's clear cut. Don't eat any of that. Easy. I love it. Easy. Um, Moderating doesn't work for me. Um, So let's go into intermittent fasting. Start with, let's say, around 16 hours of not eating and eight hours of eating. So that would probably put you down to two meals a day straight away. And that's a really good start. So straight away, you would maybe eat dinner at 6 o'clock and then you wouldn't eat dinner uh, a meal next until 10 o'clock the next day. So that would be brunch. And then later on in the day, you might eat an early dinner at 5 o'clock again. So again, you're at that 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock. And in between, would you really do want to focus on electrolytes You do want to focus on having some other supplementation, as I've mentioned, with um, vitamins and minerals, and keep that up and focus on really good food that's really satiating. And at this point, there is no calorie restriction at all, and you want to make sure you are getting enough food that you feel full and that you are giving your body, when you eat, you give your body the signal that you are eating. So if you only ever give your signal a body a signal that, oh, here's a little bit of food, yes, it will be anabolic, but it won't be building good stuff in that frame, time frame of building. So it'll be building weak cells. It'll be building cells that are producing energy off, you know, some crappy bits of glucose and poor fats and a small amount of amino acids from a small amount of protein. So there's a lot of amino acids that you need to produce cells. There are essential amino acids and essential fatty acids. Without these essential ones coming from the diet, and there are also essential nutrients to other essential vitamins as well. So without the input of essential vitamins, fats, and amino acids, your bodies can't produce a good, strong, really healthy cell. And in that cell is the mitochondria and the mitochondria produce energy. So what we need is that meal needs to be really, really healthy and full of amino acids, essential amino acids and essential fatty acids. How do you do this? This sounds really confusing. Well, how about you just go to the cupboard and you get a tin of fish, a tin of salmon, a tin of sardines. If it's a small tin, you need two of them. You need to be hitting at least 30 grams of protein, which is roughly multiply that by around three is the total grams of that food source. So if it's meat, fish, um, you need to eat 100 grams of that to get at least 30 grams of protein. But it's not likely to fill you up. So you probably want to eat more than 100 grams. And it's no problem if you eat more than that. Having more, having excess protein is really going to give your body a good signal of, okay, great, we can build. And then we'll get used to building. And we'll, you take on extra fat as well. At this point, you may want to eat a little bit of extra fat to give your body that really good signal of, hey, we've got lots of fat. Let's use that for energy, for fuel. And then you're not going to eat again until five o'clock in the afternoon. If you get hungry in between, that is when you would focus on just fat because protein can be fairly anabolic because it's something that your body builds cells out of. Glucose is anabolic because it, it, it gives you that hormonal response when your blood sugars rise. Fat is not the same response. That is why increasing fat intake when you're trying to convert to burning your own fat is a good thing It can give your body a little bit of a signal of, oh, hey, if you had extra fat, what would you do with it? But this is just something that if you needed a snack in between these two meals, that would be something you would do. And then you would blow it out. Do longer than a 16.8. You would try to aim for 20 and four. And in the end, you would probably, you would try to aim for one meal a day. And then hey, if you feel really great, if you want to go for it, you know, at all of these points, this is nothing that you should go and do without consulting your doctor. But you may want to consult your doctor and go down this fasting pathway. And then maybe you want to go a whole day without eating much at all except for fat. So by just eating fat, you are just giving your body a few calories, that little bit of a signal of, hey, there's energy coming in. So let's not shut down completely. Or you may get to the point where you want to just try and have just the electrolytes throughout the day. So this is just to kickstart changes in your hormones. It's to focus on putting in high amounts of nutrients, vitamins, minerals, aminos, and fatty acids so that your body has what it needs to do what it wants to do without spiking blood sugars And while giving the cells, the hormones, the glands, the brain, some support at the same time. So get used to eating more is my point. When you do go down any sort of fasting pathway, the food that you eat needs to be a feast. You don't want to go down a week of doing this where you are not eating hardly any calories a day. Let's say for one day you went, minimize your calories, just ate a bit of fat here and there, great, one day. The next day, eat a massive meal. Really, because it could be just as likely the nutrients that you are deficient in, as well as that high protein signaling of let's build some good healthy cells with healthy fats as well. And let's change away from building ourselves out of nutrient-poor, glucose, high-carbohydrate diets. So you want to be able to push the body a little bit and then relax it a little bit with the feast. So this doesn't mean, um, and I have heard many people in the, metab- in the, in the changes to metabolic rate, maybe they minimize calories, for, in, minimize calories for a little while and then they'll increase calories for a week and then they'll drop calories down for a week, up and for a week all of this, like give your body a break and all of that. Well, I believe this is just a cycle that you go through daily, not eating and then eating. And it's not something that I believe. Well, it is something that I believe because I'm about to say, based on evolution, this is what we did. I believe that this is the perfect way to get your metabolism and your hormones balanced is to have longer periods where you are not eating and then periods where you are feasting. And this doesn't need to be all the time. I'm talking to people who are struggling to change what's happening in their metabolism, to get that catabolic reaction of breaking down energy, breaking down calories, sorry, for energy. And fasting is going to be a great way of that. It, gives your, it also gives your microbiota a rest so they can change. So when you eat again, you're going to build microbiota that is built on the healthier foods. It's going to give your stomach a rest so that then your body changes and you will be able to process more protein as you get healthier and your hydrochloric acid production increases. As the bile production increases, as those hormones that are signaling it's time to eat and let's send out um, other chemicals to help break down protein and fats. These things take time. That is what you need to give your body. You need to give it time. You need to allow for changes in your health to improve. The cells turn over about 1% a day. So you need time for new cells that are healthier, with the better signals, with the better ability to produce energy. All of this comes back to the big picture. Just give it time. Give the body your signals that you want it to do. And if you are storing fat all the time and giving your body the signal that there's food coming in all the time, then it is never going to be catabolic. It's never really. It's never going to kick into burning your own stored sources of calories. Likewise, it's minimized energy production in that same time, which continues that cycle. All right. I've spoken about many different things there. Hopefully, some of it made sense to you. I really enjoy trying to you know, dissect all of this. And like I say, I'm not giving you the answers. I'm giving you ideas. I'm giving you ideas to think, oh, is that maybe what's happening? You know, don't take what I'm saying as that is it. Go and go, oh, well, maybe one of those things that Pete said sounded okay. But I've also got this other thing happening. You know what? There's this amazing thing out there called Google where you can put in two words and you'll get pretty much, it's easy to find a research paper or an article from a very well-researched doctor. Usually a functional medicine doctor is a good path to go down. And you can find really high-quality information. And again, you still have to choose whether you believe it or not because studies are flawed. People are flawed. Even these brilliant functional medicine doctors will still say something that doesn't quite sound as open-minded as it needs to for your specific situation. So that's where working with someone really helps because we help find and talk through all these nuances and we both learn and grow together about your particular way that your body works. So if anything you heard piqued your interest into your own health symptoms or perhaps you want to know how you can put the information into practical terms for performance in everyday life, performance in sport, or to improve your health symptoms, we'd love to help you get more energy, get more longevity in your health and to feel better so you can reach your goals whatever they are. We'd be really excited to hear from you. So head on over to liveyourownfit.com to book in for a free discovery call. Email us at hello at liveyourownfit.com or message us through any of our social networks and we will get right back to you. So you can be coached to increase your energy, your health, one-on-one by Jamie L or myself, and enjoy your very own live performance virtual community. So thanks for listening. Hope you've gotten some ideas out of this and I'll talk to you soon.